It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Busy week, Bo. Busy week. Uh, Hasn't it been, though? And it feels like it's a busy week following a a busy month, following a busy year, doesn't it? But it's good stuff, good stuff. No complaining here. Here's the thing I want to tell you guys is coming out in the next few days so you can know why I even start off the show this way. Um, Later this week, or first of next week, the T-shirts are going to go hot. It's it's already Thursday, or I guess Friday when you're listening to this, so it's going to be probably next week, I think. Oh. Don't you think? What a Debbie Downer. Do you think, here, if you think we can get out tomorrow, I'm all for it, because these shirts are awesome. Let's just say, in the next week, the Money Guy shirts are coming out. The Tightwad Nation will come alive. It will be like a phoenix rising from the ashes of, of the concept to its release, and it's going to be awesome. We've already gotten great feedback. We've even given a few of them out to, to some of our, our, our great family friends as well as our friends of the show that we've had a chance to eat with and um, share these. matter of fact, I'm actually in a lot of trouble with all my neighbors because I've worn them to the pool enough to swim practice and other things. And they're like, so what have I got to do to get a shirt? I've told you I want it. When you, and I was like, look, we, we have to make sure we do the checks and balances right. on the accounting of how much we have in quantity so you don't get them until they go live with everybody. So check it out. Go to money-guy.com. You're going to see all the details. We're going to open up a marketplace tab on the the website. And, and not that we haven't done enough. We've got a brand new web design coming out in the next week. That's too. right. So we're kind of, instead of doing these piecemeal one at a time, we're going to go ahead and throw it all at you once. And it's also going to be what I like. It's going to be mobile enabled now. So if you ever want to go check out our videos or check out the show notes and check out everything through your iPad, your iPhone, or your Android device. You're probably in the past like, oh, you have to do the whole pinching, get it down to the right size. Now that is no longer going to be an issue. So that's kind of the house cleaning things I had. Once again, I'll give you the website. It's money-guy.com. Go check out the new website. Check out the the Money Guy geek chic um, shirts that we've got coming out that are going to 100% benefit um, autism charities, and you'll see why that's important because we have a video that will also be released in the next week as well, which is pretty dynamic, and you get to see what my beautiful, beautiful daughter looks like in person. So um, here's what we're going to be talking about today. What is a million dollars? Really, what is a million dollars? Dr. Thomas Stanley, my man, the guy that I really look up to, love his books, You know, read about all of them, um, he has, you know, of course, a blog post, and he had a blog article that came out on May 13th, 2014, so getting close to a month now. It says, wealth is attracted to people who respect money. Um, so I'm going to go through what a million dollars is and some thoughts that Dr. Stanley had, and then I'm going to even close out the show with telling you what I think it takes to get to a million dollars. I'm going to give you some tips and tricks and really follow it money guy fashion for you to make that happen for yourself so you can be part of this, this discussion. But I do want to pick on the money guy family for just a split second. I give you guys tasks all the time and you rock them. If I tell you, hey, I need a t-shirt contact, you guys email me and give me a t-shirt contact. If I tell you, hey, we need somebody who can do graphic design or give us some impact on that, you guys write me up. You even tell me things we can do to incre- increase the, the, the quality of our sound. I mean, you guys are on top of it because, let's face it, you're the cream of the crop. I ask you guys, hey, if you're a level B, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, I don't care who you are, if you're related, if you're friends, if you're a celebrity, write us 
Guess how many responses we got. Wah, wah, wah. Zero. That's right. You guys, none of us are either famous or we don't know anybody famous. So it frustrates me because, like, I know I'm going to go ahead and pick on because I'm going to send her a tweet after the show's out. We have Dr. Stanley's daughter follows the show now. So, I mean, what have I got to do besides covering his blog post to get him a free shirt so he can be part of the tightwad nation? I mean, surely if anybody's going to be part of the tightwad nation, it's going to be Dr. Thomas Stanley, the author of The Millionaire Next Door, and does all this great market research. He needs a tightwad nation shirt. Definitely when that, when I think when Sarah sees his stuff, she's going to do it. But otherwise, it just shows me money guy listeners who obviously are masters of their own empires of having financial independence. We don't know a lot of famous people, so we'll work on that. We're going to start a new trend. Love it. So let's jump into what Dr. Thomas Stanley had with, with his title of wealth is attracted to people who respect money. So let me set this premise up. And Brian, I mean, I know for me when I was growing up, and I think it was for you growing up, the gold standard was if somebody had a million bucks, they were rich, right? I mean, that was kind of the, you know, if somebody had a million dollars, they were a rich person, right? I still think a million dollars is pretty wealthy. But maybe that's, maybe that's I'm what's... the only person in America that still thinks a million dollars, but that's what, and that's what Dr. Stanley, I think, is picking on too, but you're right. Well, if you, I, if you ask the average person, hey, who, 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 what makes somebody rich? Oh, if they're a millionaire, right? I mean, isn't that kind and of what's the general the quote? consensus? What's, what's the hardest to make? The first million. First million. The first million is the hardest to make. So there has to be something to a million dollars. Okay. Does he say one million dollars or does he I say? I think he says one billion. Okay. I think. So he says, okay. So we can't, we can't incorporate it back to a million. But okay. Here's what the premise of Dr. Stanley's piece was. He says in an editorial in the New York Times, it was stated the following. He says, a million dollars used to be a magical number, a sign of permanent affluence. You made it, but now it won't buy you dot, dot, dot. And then Dr. Stanley wrote, the array then follows. So basically, Dr. Stanley is picking on journalists and the fact it is not uncommon now. It doesn't matter if you're going reading out a print newspaper, this came out of the New York Times, or if you're going on blogs or you know Yahoo Finance, wherever you get your, your financial news, for people to kind of undermine the value of what a million dollars is. So he takes it a step further. And he says, the first person who bloated out, blurted out in my presence, I don't know about bloated out, that's what we did for lunch eating that big pizza today, but um, the first person who blurted out in my presence, quote, a million, that's nothing anymore, was a young trust officer who dressed rich. And that's, that's Dr. Thomas Stanley's words. Dressed rich was in quotes. He says, yet when asked, he admitted, Red-faced, I'll admit, that his net worth was well below $1 million. And I've been listening to this mantra throughout my career. He is not alone, especially in the finance industry. I thought this was interesting, Bo, because we're in the financial right. industry. So it says, I find that most investment counselors who pan the million-dollar figure are not very good at their craft. Good thing whew, that I said a million dollars is still a lot of money. Um, it says, note that within the sample of 121 stockbrokers slash investment counselors profiled in my book, The Millionaire Mind, only one in three, that's 34.4%, had a net worth that exceeded, well, I'm, I'm reading that out loud. What? One in three is 33.3. I know, but Dr. Stanley has 34.4. Well, he doesn't change math. I know, I'm just, I think he rounded. Then why is the point in there? 
Look, Bo, I'm reading the quote. This is in quote. You have to read. When it's in quotes, you have to read what's in quotes. It says, only one in three. He's not going to wear the shirt if you're making fun of his numbers, by the way. Only one in three, and he's got in parentheses, 34.4%. I know that one in three is 33.3. Oh, so he's just saying, he wasn't saying one in three. He's saying about one in three people. Okay, I get it. I'm with you now. About one in three. Trying to make it conversational. I'm tracking that. Trying to make it conversational. Only one in three, or 34.4%, had a net worth that exceeded expected levels for those within the same age slash income cohorts. So in contrast, for millionaire business owners, it was 77.4%. Or for those who aren't exact like Bo, three quarters. Gotcha. So <clears throat> this is interesting because think about this, guys, when you're interviewing your financial advisors. I, you know, if I was in your shoes and I'm interviewing financial advisors, if I'd heard a quote like this, that only one in three are exceeding their peers based upon their age and their income, like, okay, is this guy walking the walk or is he a hypocrite? Right. Because that's really what that means is if you're if you're exceeding, then you're the real deal. Right. If you're not, then you're kind of a hypocrite. You know, you're telling people who are good with money how not to do what you're doing with the money the if whole you're not do doing as, that. Do as I say, not as I do type so thing. I right? thought that was I guess it's the whole mantra, fake it until you make it. There we go. But <laughs> what do I make you guys do here? And that's why I'm such a tightwad with our match. We all only get the 3% safe harbor. Because everybody participates. Because we everybody have a participates. 100% participation here at this firm on our retirement plan because everybody here walks the walk. Is that not the case? It is the case. I, I am very strict that I think if you're going to do what we do for a living, you need to walk the walk, and that means a lot in the way you're, you're handling your own personal finances. So we'll continue on because this isn't – I want to make sure we get to all the points. It says, the very best investment guru – I added the very best, I don't right. know, but he says the best investment guru whom I've interviewed. When I read this, I was like, is he talking about us? But then I was like, I've only like traded emails with Dr. Stanley. We've never talked to him, so he must not be talking about us. Because this sounds like us. He says, the best investment guru, guru whom I've interviewed told young adults starting out that the, in, that the first $100,000 investments is the hardest to achieve. And with every successive $100,000, it became progressively easier. That's so true. It is so true. In a minute, I'm going to give you my tips on how to become a millionaire. And you're going to notice a trend, kind of an echo there. So since I guess I wasn't the one that told that to Dr. Stanley, it must be somebody else's echo, but I have picked up on the same concept, and I love it because this is exactly what we say. Don't focus on the million dollars. Focus on all the other stuff, getting to 10, to giving to 20, to getting to 50, to getting to 100, because it gets easier and easier with everything that you do until one one day you look back and go, wow, my portfolio made more money than I made working with my hands, my brain, or my back last month. And that's an incredible, incredible feeling when you break that threshold. And it will happen. So he continues on. Currently, and this is what I love about Dr. Stanley, he gives you some analytics. It's not all his opinions. It actually has some facts support. It says only about 88% of the 115 million households in this country have a net worth of of $1 million or more. So for people to be diminishing what a million dollars is, for it only to be 8% of the population is pretty incredible. Holy cow. I mean, his analogy is if your child came home out of 100 students and said, hey, I'm eighth in the class, you're probably going to give them a big hug and say, wait, do it. You know, you're know, you rocking it being eighth in the class. It's the same way if you're in that one, in, you know, if you're the eight percentile, you're doing pretty well with your finances. Um in the same editorial, he gets back to picking on the, the, the journalists again. 
It says, it's not that money doesn't buy happiness. It's that these days it requires a whole lot more than a million dollars. So Dr. Thomas Stanley writes, really? What is more important than absolute wealth than explaining happiness? And he knew, he knew the answer. It's a rhetorical question because he knew the answer. He says, the answer is relative wealth. Now, what is relative wealth? And I thought this was very timely. We have this question come up all the time with people because I think a lot of people think as you, as you move through life and you become more and more successful, you need to, to kind of accumulate the trappings of somebody who's become more successful. And, and why wouldn't you think that? I mean, if you watch music videos, if you watch movies, you watch TV, it seems like the wealthier you become, the more stuff you should go buy and the more things you're entitled to. Lifestyles of the rich and famous, right? It doesn't really work out that way, though. I mean, but that is kind of what our culture has pushed upon everybody. But realize what's been pushed upon us might be smoke and mirrors because this is he wants to, he wants to make his point on what he means by relative wealth. He says, if you live in a modest neighborhood and have... Five times the median net worth of your neighbors, you are very likely to say that you are extremely satisfied with life. Now, I've seen this exact same statement made with your friends, meaning that if you want to know if you're probably happy or not, go look at your peer group. And if you're one of the wealthier people or or have one of the higher incomes out of your peer group, you probably are going to feel happy. And so that's why you really ought to be careful when we're all trying to aspire to get all those aspirational gadgets, gizmos, cars, houses, vacation homes, um, bling, you know, jewelry, all that stuff can really kind of trap you. It, it can keeping up with the Joneses can completely be a trap in the long term, and that's something you definitely need to keep an eye on. Um, I thought it was interesting, just kind of skipping ahead in in the piece because really good piece. If you want to go check it out, we'll give you a link to it on the money-guy.com website, it says the median net worth in, you know, in the United States is $94,000. It says that means if you have, and he's still making this point on how important a million dollars is, he says if you have just a million dollars of net worth, you're 10.6 times better than the norm. That's, That's pretty crazy, powerful. yeah. The median realized annual household income is $53,000. So again, if you have $1 million, you have the equivalent of nearly 19 times the typical household income. Powerful stuff. I mean, because if you're trying to figure out what does this mean? My point that I like to say is it's nice when you have a level of assets that generate more than you can generate with your brain, your back, and your hands. That's exactly what that's saying. When you can, when your net worth is 19 times the annual income, you're generating a lot of income from that property as well, if you think about it in those terms, because that could pay for your lifestyle mm-hmm. for years. I thought it was also good when it talked about, if you want to compare it to house value, it says $1 million net worth is a function of the market value of the home slash community which you reside. Currently, the U.S. and median market value of a single-family home is about $175,000. So you can buy 5.7 of these if you have a net worth of $1 million. Even better, move to South Bend, Indiana where the current sales price of a home is approximately $90,000. With your wealth, you could buy 11 of those homes. But if you, and this is, he's just putting it in perspective, but if you insist on moving to San Francisco, the median price is nearly $870,000. And that probably is true. I bet if you go, I bet people in San Francisco, people who make really good, solid incomes, probably feel less affluent than somebody living in South Bend, Indiana. I mean, that's the most obvious. You're like, thank you, Mr. Obvious. But it is true 
from if you're talking about a happiness factor of what it takes and relative wealth, it's much easier if your cost of living is lower in the community that you live in and in your peer group, your friends. It goes on and on. So think about those things. So what do you do with this? What what is this data mean? So I, I figured, you know, I started asking myself, and Bo, I'll let you jump in here too. Okay. I said, what's a million dollars to me? And really, I still consider a million dollars to be a lot of money. And I looked at a million dollars as a level of assets that is just, it truly is incredible because I started thinking about in rates of returns. Mm-hmm. Remember, Bo, you and I have had discussions. Um, I have a friend who's actually a client who, as we know, is good friends with Close to a billionaire. Right. I mean, he's a, he's a young guy. And he asked him, they had a few adult beverages one night, and he said, what do you consider rich? Because, you know, and y'all have heard me tell the story on the podcast before, because you think somebody worth a billion dollars, you ask them what rich is, they're going to tell you probably 250, yeah. 300 million, you know, to, because... A lot of money. They said the answer was $10 million. And I remember my buddy saying, well, why do you think $10 million is rich? What, where did that come from? And he goes, well, anybody can earn 5% on their money. And if you earn 5% on $10 million, you're making half a million dollars a year. That's rich. Yeah. And I thought that was very sound logic. And I think it, that's, the, that's what a million dollars is to me. If you think about it in the same concept, you earn 5% on a million dollars. It generates $50,000 a year, which, as we heard from Dr. Thomas Stanley, is the equivalent of almost what the average income is in America. Powerful, powerful things. And so if you take that equation one step further... You add Social Security, as well as if you have any other additional income streams. I still think a million dollars gets you a lot in today's society. It it really is. Now, sure, if you have some goals and some other things, I don't want to undermine the value of doing a full plan to know what you need. But I still think a million dollars is a healthy level of money. So I wanted to do two things, Bo, to kind of bring the show around full circle. So it's not just reading Dr. Stanley's blog of what a million dollars is these days. I want to do something. When you and I go to cl- and talk to classes, I always show a slide. Mm-hmm. And that's why you hear the papers moving in the background. And I'm also getting the next slide in order, too. I present this slide, and I always have a little bit of a gasp. And the reason I have a gasp is the same reason I'm doing this for a living. Is that I still remember that when I was 17, 16, 17, 18. I can't remember because I'm getting too old to remember. They all kind of run together once you get a little bit older. But my economics teacher in high school... I was working at Hardee's. I was like the crew chief of the fa- of the drive-through. For um, those of you all who don't know that, that's a pretty big deal. <laughs> it was back during those Days of Thunders day when Hardee's, you know, sponsored Days of Thunders, and I had to wear my fluorescent pink, you know, Days of Thunder hat while I was working the drive-through at at the local Hardee's. But I still remember um, this economics teacher telling me, "Guys, you guys are so fortunate." Because everybody in the room can be a millionaire. And I was like, be a millionaire? What, what do you mean? I mean, I'm not, I don't come from a rich family. You know, How could I be a millionaire? And he says, if somebody would just told me when I was your age, if I'd saved $100 a month, I would be a millionaire. I was like, $100 a month? Wait a minute. Make three eighty dollars an hour. Okay, I can do that. that, that. I could do $100 a month. That's what, that's really the way my logic worked when I heard this economics teacher tell me. Is I was like, I could save $100 a month. How do I do it? Okay, I can save $100. How do I get to be the millionaire now? Tell, keep it going. So he went on and explained that. What I found out when I started understanding finances much better, because it progressed from there. I read The Wealthy Barber. Then I read The Millionaire Next Door. As I kept going through my career and my education. And I realized it's true. He is actually wrong. He overshot what you could do with that $100. And here's what I mean by that. 
I have a slide that shows what does it take to have a million dollars by the time you retire, by the age of 65, starting at the age of one. If you want to have a million dollars when you're 65 years old and you have a one-year-old in the house that takes a keen interest into savings, I don't know many of those, but maybe you want to save for your one-year-old, and you're assuming a rate of return of 10%. Keep it simple, 10%. I know that a lot of you guys are saying, 2008, we didn't make 10%. But yeah, but if you kind of extrapolate out the history of the market, 10% is not the worst thing in the world to use as, a, as, a, as an average. So years of 65 is 64 years. You only have to save $14 a month. $14 a month. That's that doesn't like sound crazy. Three cups of coffee a month. That's the one less trip to the movies. So pretty crazy. So that's a millionaire. Okay, 10 years old. What do you have to save at 10 years old to become a millionaire? You have to save $35 a month. That's a few less meals eating out. Nothing big there. 20 years old. What do you have to save? Now, remember, this is my economics teacher was like seven. I was 16, 17, 18, somewhere in there. Um, so I was less than 20. 20 years old, you only have to save $95 a month. Do you realize, see, my economics teacher actually misspoke. If I started saving $100 a month when I was 17, I'd be loaded. I wouldn't be worth just a million. I'd be worth more than a million dollars. So, but still powerful stuff. So at 20, you only have to save 95 a month. 30, it's 263. 40, it's $754 a month. 50, it's $2,413 a month. And then 60, it's $12,914 a month. You see what happens there. Do you see the clock flipped on you? Absolutely. It stopped, time stopped being your friend very quickly. Yeah, compounding interest favors youth. And I think that's why the economics teacher was saying, God, if somebody just told me this when I was younger, because he was probably, and I was, you know, as a kid, you don't pay attention to all the, the social cues and everything that's going on. He probably was, here's the way it might have gone down. He probably got his monthly paycheck, looked at it and was like, dadgummit, dadgummit. And then he looked out at all of us young you whippersnappers. Know, That's what you, know, you want to say. You want to say whippersnapper. Well, he didn't have, you know, whatever we, whippersnappers, I do use that word a lot. And he's like, you guys can have the world by its tail. All you have to do is save $100 a month and you'll be set. I mean, I really, I look back and I think that's probably, but, but at the time it was an eye-opening experience and he probably has no idea that he rocked my world and changed my life by, by hearing that. So I wanted to kind of close the show out with what does it take to be a millionaire? Here's on the fly, five things I came up with. Love to tell you I spent hours coming up with this, but I came up with this in like three minutes. But here it is. Number one, pay yourself first. Okay. That's simple. But let me give you the details behind the simpleness. I tell a lot of people, if you read the millionaire, I mean, well, the wealthy barber, not the millionaire next door, but the wealthy barber, he's going to tell you you need to save 10% of your income. Just lock it in. Save for the future. I used to somewhat agree with that number, but I think that now we're in an economy in a world where who knows if Social Security is going to be there. Taxes probably are going up just because of our demographic requirements to pay for the obligations that are already out there. So I take it one step further. I tell people to save 15 to 20% of their gross income, but you have to start saving at some point. Now, a lot of you are looking at yourself and you're going, I can't save 15 to 20%. I don't care if you can't save 15, 20, save something. Start the process somewhere so we can get that healthy habit of being addicted to saving, saving going going somewhere. Because, you know, just like we were talking about the, the first million is the hardest to make, the first 100,000 is the hardest to make, the first $10 you save is the hardest $10 to save. The first $100 you save is the hardest 100 
it kind of keeps working that way. You set it up to pay yourself first automatically. It's amazing that you don't end up missing the money. It's true. I mean, it really is. And that, that transitions nice into rule number two of the three-minute checklist. Number two, take advantage of the free employer's money. Match is 100% return. What do I mean by that? So many people, and I probably could have gone and fooled the stat because I see it in articles all the time. There is an abysmal number of people who leave match money on the table. I think you could say that differently. Say there's an abysmal number of people who just flush money down the toilet every single day. Yeah, I mean, when we do 401k presentations, how often do I give the analogy and everybody's like, oh, yeah, you're right, where I say, look, out there in the hallway, we're in this auditorium, but out there in the hallway, your employer has been so generous. They love how good this year has been that we've got three big lunch tables of bags of money set up. And don't worry, nobody needs to run out the room. Don't trample anybody because on each bag of money, we've put your name. And we are going to ask for your ID verification before you get to walk out with it. But there is a table out there with lunch bags full of money with your name on it. And it's going to equal 3%, maybe 5% of your pay, depending on which employer we're talking about here. But every one of them has set up these bags full of money for you. Um, make sure you don't leave. And I, I give that analogy, and everybody's like, yep, I wouldn't leave that on the table. I would no more walk outside the room without grabbing that bag of money. Yet, that same room full of people, there are a, a large percentage of people that don't take advantage of the free match money. So if your employer has a 401k, a simple IRA, a 403b, a 457, whatever it is, through your employer, and they offer a match where it says something like, give us a dollar for dollar, and we're going to match you on the first 3%, you need to be doing 3%. If they give you another option where it says dollar for dollar in the first 3%, but then we're going to give you 50 cents on the dollar for the next 2%. So if you put in 5%, we're going to give you 4%. You need to be doing 5% to get that 4%. Because if you think about that, if it's dollar for dollar and 3%, you put in three, you get six. That's a hundred percent return. That's a guaranteed hundred percent rate of return. I I don't know about you, Brian. I don't know any other investments that do that, that just guarantee to double your money immediately. Yeah, and, and the other thing I think is powerful, it's changed. When I first entered the workforce back in the 90s, you had all these crazy vesting schedules. And there still are vesting schedules, but the government got smart a number of years ago and realized, okay, we have all this crazy testing, this top-heavy testing and all these other things. So they've created much simpler 401k plans. You hear about these small business owners predominantly now have what's called safe harbor 401ks. Here's what's unique about Safe Harbor 401ks, which a lot of your small business owners are offering you, is that they vest 100% in the year that they give it to you. Meaning that if they give you 3%, just like everybody here at the firm, I give you a 3% match, you leave in year two, guess who gets to keep that match money? You, because mm -hmm. it's 100% vested in the first year. So take advantage of the free money. I think I've hammered that home. None of you out there listening in your car or those of you on the row machine or whatever you're doing to listen to this show, or maybe you're vacuuming or mopping. We've heard all kinds of things. Fly fishing, if you will. Fly fishing. You're not leaving your bag of money outside in the lobby, I can tell. Number three, dollar cost averaging is your friend. It removes all the emotions from the equation. Um, we have, I have brilliant clients, brilliant, brilliant clients. And it's so funny to me, um, we've had clients here recently saying, okay, where's the deals? Where's the deals, guys? You know, market's hitting all-time highs. What are we going to do with our money? You know, I got, I'm sitting on a, all this money over here. we got to do something. Well, I tell them, you know, 
Do you have your emergency reserves filled up? Oh, yeah. I got more than enough cash. I don't know what I'm going to do. We got to do some of this money, though. We can't just let it sit over there and earn, you know, a nickel for every $100,000 I have or something like that. I say, well, let's take the emotion out of it and create a plan, a strategic plan where we're going to put that money to work on a monthly basis so that we're not making a decision. But what, wouldn't the market at all time high, Brian? Well, that's where that's where we pull out the Nick Murray quote on them. We say, if you think it's expensive now, wait until you see where it's at in 20 years from there now. There we go. But here's the point. And I'm not talking about just lump sums or windfalls or cat, big chunks of money. I'm talking about also that same retirement money, those bags of money that you're having, or just paying yourself first. I love dollar cost averaging because it really does take the emotions out. And what I mean by that is I have automatic investments going in every month. I have multiple. I have my retirement plan going in for the the 401k. I have a joint account for me and my wife in one part of the month, another part for the joint account, another part of the month. I've got money going in there. I've got wedding money for my kids for college, for custodial accounts for all the having two daughters and their weddings. I dollar cost average in about everything. You even got a play account, your dollar cost average over at Lending Club. <laughs> that is true. I dollar cost average even in my Lending Club account. So I love dollar cost averaging. DCA is your friend. So I think that, that it takes all emotions out of it, and you are pleasantly surprised. Because what I like, why is dollar cost averaging so powerful? We get into another period like 2008. Every month that the market goes down or whatever investment you're looking at, when the market goes down, it turns you into that mutant saver that we've had other listeners write us about because you get a few additional shares because the price went down. It's just on autopilot. It makes it happen. So look at dollar cost averaging. It does work out. Number four, with every pay raise or debt that you've repaid, increase that savings habit. Um, I think it's very powerful. We do all kinds of studies. Everything I showed you on how to accumulate a million dollars by 65 had zero rate of increase on your savings, meaning that if you're that one-year-old out there saving $14 a month, you're saving $14 a month every year, every month, no matter if you're making $100,000 a year. It doesn't have to work that way in reality. We've actually done this at retirement meetings as well. We've shown people what happens if you increase your savings rate 3%, 5%, even 10% if you're getting those type of pay raises. You don't have to give 100% of your pay raise to increasing your savings, but do a portion. Mm -hmm. And it is amazing how you can really kind of expand out that savings base that you have. Because remember, we're trying to get you to a million dollars here. That's the whole purpose of this list. So with every pay raise, or if you pay down debt and you don't need the money to fill up cash reserves or some other short-term need, consider increasing that monthly savings on whether it's your retirement account or you know Roth IRAs or even your taxable savings account. So really some important stuff there. And one thing you said, Brian, was you mentioned, you mentioned what happens when you get a pay raise. You said debt payoff was the second piece, right? Mm-hmm. So like uh, if you have a car payment maybe you're making every month and finally you get the car paid off, rather than throwing that into lifestyle, it makes sense to just set that up on a savings plan somewhere, right? Yeah, You know what? And our favorite word, I can't believe I haven't used it yet because I practice this on a day-to-day basis. And Lord knows, Bo, I know you do too. For scarcity. That ought to, I guess I could, I could say that that's number six, but we'll just make it part of number four, is that for scarcity is your friend. Is because, and what I mean by force scarcity, that's kind of my own thing I've made up, is that I want you to, to have a great life. I want you to travel. I want you to fill that brain with as many things as possible and experiences. But don't let yourself just expect good things to happen. If you create a plan, pay yourself first, and have that force scarcity, something magical happens. Um, and I think it keeps you humble. I really do. I think force scarcity is your friend. That whole deferred gratification concept is a good one. 
Number five, and this is kind of a good one to close it out on. And then I'll look at the clock. Well, we're, we're a good time because I, I do have a quick story I was going to tell about some identity theft stuff that happened. But number five, quietly, and I say quietly because we don't want to be boastful, quietly celebrate your milestones. I've had one of the greatest things, I've gotten it from podcast listeners, I've got it from podcast listeners who become clients. I love those emails where um, I've had people, it doesn't matter if it's 100000 if it's half a million, I've even gotten them for a million dollars where people have said, I can't tell anybody, but you guys, I listen to you all the time, so I'm going to write you an email. I quietly passed the million dollar mark this year, you know, this, this past week, and I, I poured myself a nice scotch drink, had a drink, and I just wanted to email you guys and say thank you for all your help. That stuff is awesome. So quietly celebrate those milestones. It's just like, um, Dr. Stanley mentioned that uh, one of the best investment gurus he ever listened to actually talked about that the first 100,000 was the hardest to come by is that because each one of those milestones is a new level that you've reached. I can remember, and just looking at my own personal life, I remember when I got out of college and I saved my first $10,000. I thought it was awesome because I could remember in college where $10 had to last me the whole weekend. Mm -hmm. Now, I knew where every restaurant that had meal specials was. I knew where every bar that had a bar special during college. And I I stretched that $10 out. But when I got to $10,000 with my savings after college, I felt awesome about it. It was really cool. Same thing happened when I hit 30 and then even 50. 50 was like, wow, this is starting to be a lot of money. This feels like a lot of money because I knew what I was making at the time. you know. And then I knew I had 50,000 in retirement savings things. I was like, this is pretty cool. And then you hit the 100,000 mark. And then you, you, a few years goes by, and then you're at a quarter of a million. And then it keeps going up, up, up. And then what it really is, and I told you all my new game that I like to play. And I, I don't know if I've shared it on the podcast. I've definitely shared it with mm-hmm. you, Bo. My newest game, I tell you guys to do a net worth statement every year. It is fun to do a net worth statement. But part of that fun of that net worth statement, net worth statement is to see how much your net worth changes from year to year. You are going to reach a point where your net worth will increase more than you made in income. And you're like, wait a minute, what do you mean net worth going up more than than your income? What happens is that your assets generate more than you made working, Mm -hmm. as I've said previously already, your hands, your brain, or your back. And when that moment happens, you go, holy cow. Now I have built something that is making more than I can make myself. And that's what you're truly trying to do, guys. You're trying to build an army of dollar bills that do the work for you. And I just, I get so excited about just celebrating those milestones because don't let somebody scare you off with a million dollars. Start at 10, get to 50, get to 100, get to 250. It is, that journey is awesome. And yeah, you you don't get an award or a plaque, but you get financial independence Mm -hmm. and that's powerful. Um, Real quick to close out the show. One of our employees here, we won't give any names out, um, <laughs> one of their children received in the mail, and I knew about this because, Bo, I'm, I'm going I'm to take us back in time. I think you might have been there, too. Mm-hmm. We did a, a retirement update meeting for a credit union, and we were sitting out in the audience, and they were doing their, you know, just kind of new business, things we have to talk about, and he held up a check that looked very official. This is the president of the credit union, held up a check that was very official, and he says, do you see this check? Can anybody tell me what's wrong with this check? You know, and even I think he even passed it around. Right. Everybody's like, it's a good check. He's like, this check got passed 
at our credit union, and it's a fake check. And here's the scam. I want you guys to be aware, because obviously this is going on, because we had one of these checks show up at the office this week from one of our, the children of one of our employees, is that you can get a letter in the mail saying you've been chosen based upon some questionnaire you filled out. I don't know where you, where did she fill the questionnaire out? I think she was trying to sign up to get some uh, free Disney tickets, I think. Okay, so something on the web. Is that where it came from the web? So somehow, anyway, this person filled out some information that got them on a database or a list for, let's face it, a crook. Right. And this crook now sends out letters to people with a very official-looking check with watermarks, with signatures. There's no crazy fine print on the back. I mean, it is an official check. And it wasn't a small check. No, it was was $1,995. And it looked so official, and it's made payable to this person. So this, by all accounts, you get this check in the mail, and you're like, hot dog. They must have known. This is an answer prayer. Somebody knew I was short $2,000, so they sent me a check for $1,995. Well, here's how the scam works. These crooks will contact you. They'll send you this check, and then they'll start calling you, emailing you, telling you that, hey, you've been chosen to be a secret shopper Mm -hmm. or, you know, that you're, you're a lottery to, winner. Yeah. Or? The, here's, the, here's what they want. They want you to go buy some goods with this money. They're going to give you the money. They want you to go buy some goods like iPads, iPhones, or they want you to wire them a small portion of the money. Like if they send you 2000 maybe they only want you to send back 350 bucks. as like their portion of the cut, like an agent's fee or something like that. I've seen it both ways. But here's the scam. That is a real check with a real routing number, with a real account number, but the account number does not match the name of the account that's listed on the check because what they've done is they've get a hold of real account numbers, real routing numbers. They write a bunch of bogus checks to people. Those people go deposit those checks. It looks great. It even shows up in your account for about three to four days. And then, wait a minute, the bank of the that holds the money says, what? that's a scam. That's a bad check. That's a bogus check. We take, we're taking our money back. Mm-hmm. So they take their money back. You're left holding the bag. After you've already bought the iPads, the iPhones, you've sent them down, the, sent them through the mail, or you've wired your three hundred and fifty bucks, whatever it is, it's a complete scam, and you're left holding the bag. So as soon as we saw the check, we said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, this is a scam!" But then we got curious, so we started doing a little digging. Turns out, in this particular case, the bank that was listed on the check is actually a bank that was acquired back in two thousand seven. So this bank had been long gone, but this check written off of this bank was dated as of last week. Yeah. So what we essentially ended up doing, we ended up calling, it was, a, it, was a, uh, it was acquired by a large bank that everyone knows the name of. We called the headquarters of that bank, said, hey, we got this check. They kind of went through the process. And finally, they said, okay, well, we've got this. We've marked our file. The account number is a real account number. The routing number is a real routing number. We'll notify the account holder. We'll let them know that this is going on. Thank you so much. And then the next step was that is we actually called the Federal Trade Commission to report that this scam was going on, put them on debt, you know, put them on alert, letting them know that it was going on. Um, you know, we don't get anything from that, but I know if my account had gotten stolen and somebody was getting bogus checks from it, I'd want them to call and, and tell about it. Yep. So be aware. I mean, these things, there are lots of crooks out there these days, guys. So you have to be vigilant. You have to pay attention to, you know, what's going on. And, you know, it kind of ties into the whole, what does it take to be a millionaire? Is And I thought the title, Wealth is Attracted to People Who Respect Money. I mean, how more full circle can you get it than saying, not only do you have to respect your money to grow it to that, that milestone moment of a million dollars, but you also have to respect your money to make sure somebody 
out the back door and trying to take and get in your back pocket. So thank you guys for listening to the show. Please, please, please go check out money-guy.com. I really, really hope you enjoy our new video on the T-shirts as well as enjoy the, the, the Tightwad Nation swag. Uh, give me your feedback. Write us. You can write me directly. That's Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at money-guy.com. You can write Bo. That's B-O at money-guy.com. We just appreciate you guys. This thing has done more than I ever could have anticipated, and I could never have done it without you. So thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Brian Preston. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston, and Brian Preston is a partner with Preston & Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston & Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston & Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. <laughs> <laughs>